podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast that we have brought to you every week, pretty much, since the start of this lockdown situation that we find ourselves in. And if you are listening to this in like a couple of years' time, you're thinking, oh yeah, I remember that, that lockdown situation. Do get your messages in as well, because we've had some messages in. Finally, we have lots of listeners, but none of them want to talk to us Jack Brooks and Chris Millard, but we actually have had some this week, which has been really good. I think because we pretty much begged people to send us emails, they finally have done. Um, I had a message off Jamie Rayner, who is actually in the business as well. You know, he's a cricket journalist and he messaged saying he's really enjoying it. So, Jamie, thank you very much for getting in touch. And Chris Millard, you also had yeah. something through to the Barmy Army. It must be something to do with Jamie's wanting to get in touch with us because uh, Jamie Sutton has got in touch. An Essex lad, all the way out and um, lucky enough to be in New Zealand, and he was um, he was walking around the Wellington cricket ground when he was responding to our rally call, and he emailed in and he told us how much of a good time he was having out in New Zealand, just to rub it into our lockdown situation over here. But Jamie, thanks for getting in touch with us and um, keep listening. Thank you very much. And he sent us a selfie as well on that email, didn't he, Chris? And it looked, I just thought, sod off. It looked really, really good. So uh, I'd love to. I'd love to hear some more stories from um, from our listeners, even if it's a little snippet or a funny story about one of our guests, maybe. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually, isn't it? Because people, I, in fact, a lot of people will have come across some of our guests in some stage or other. Maybe asked somebody for an autograph. You know, as they're walking around the boundary as a kid or whatever it is. And we'd love to hear some of those stories. So if you've got any stories about any of the guests that we've had on, and it's, you know, it's never too late and we'll um, we'll we'll read some of we them out. Because there's a very funny Barmy Army story about when he'd just done his thing in Joburg. And um, I think it was one of the main Barmy Army people that'd been on the lash all day, like absolutely loving it. That um, they'd then seen him in the bar. They've all come to the Barmy Army pub with him after gone up to say something to him and ended up just throwing up all over his shoes without saying anything to him just as he's walking to the bar. I think I will get the facts of that story for next week, but it's it's an absolute lead story. It was the player, sorry. Atherton. Oh, Atherton, sorry. It just broke up when you said that. Fantastic. Oh. Love that. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I'm going to tell my Michael Atherton story. I wasn't going to ever talk about this. And Chris, you know what this is. Um, but just to set things off, since you've come up with this idea, Brooksy, and you've mentioned Athers, sod it, we'll go for it. So we're in Port Elizabeth this year watching the test match, and we were getting to the ground really early, Chris, weren't we? Sort of, you know, and setting up and doing little bits of sort of filming for the social media and stuff. And because of that, we had, we were so lucky, weren't we? We managed to get a couple of sort of access passes to the press room. So, and at that time in the morning, it was fine. We didn't really use it that much. But at that time in the morning, 
it was great for me and Toby, the cameraman, just to go in and sort of charge the phone up and whatever, whatever. And it was in the morning and I, I needed to go and visit the bathroom. So I, um, and there's nobody there at that time. So I've kind of got myself sort of sat down and I'm just settling in and there's no other press there. The players aren't even at the ground at this point. The only problem was there was only one cubicle in the whole of the sort of press toilets, not very glamorous at Port Elizabeth. And what's happened is this door doesn't have a lock on it either. So one cubicle, no lock. But it's all right. Exhibitionist, can... aren't you? Exhibitionist. Exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> not quite, or not as I intended anyway. And I'm sort of leaning there and I'm holding the door slightly shut with my hand. And I think it's fine. I'll be able to hear if somebody comes in. Sure enough, I hear the door swing open to the toilets and I hear the footsteps and I thought, I'll just let out a little, <clears throat> just to let whoever this person was know <laughs> that I cough. am in there. It's a courtesy <laughs> cough, exactly. Sure enough, whoever this person was, was completely unperturbed by this. I think they must have heard it. They couldn't have not heard it. But regardless, they walk up to the cubicle door and the door swings open. And it is Michael Atherton, and I'm <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the pot looking at him, and there was this really awkward sort of long. It was probably slightly longer than it should have been, two, three, four seconds of just me making eye to eye contact with my trousers around my ankles, sat on the throne with Michael Atherton, obviously former England captain and now you know incredible commentator and pundit. And he's looking straight at me. He just had a smile on his face and he went, sorry, you should have locked it. <laughs> and I, 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 but I didn't even say anything. I didn't go, oh, there's no lock. I didn't say that. I just went, oh, yeah, okay. And just sort of let him crack on. And I just thought, oh my God. Anyway, so I've, I've sort of finished up, washed my hands really quickly, opened the door of the main bathroom just to make sure. Anyway, he stood outside. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for me to have finished. I just thought, how bloody awkward is that? And then the worst thing was, he went, all right, as I walked out and nodded at me. And I mean, I I just felt incredibly small and and terrible. You give him a little wink and say, I've warmed him up for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yes anything like that. i mean i can't look the bloke in the eye ever again now you know if i ever saw him I, I couldn't but he would be completely fine with it which is probably the most disturbing thing about it but <laughs> anyway so yeah stories like that i mean if you've got anything i mean nothing probably hopefully as embarrassing as that but if you have got something that can you know be as bad as that do let us know. Email at info at barmyarmy.com or send us a tweet or a direct message on Twitter or something and we will read it out on the pod. Now, this week's guest is, well, he's the greatest living English cricketer in my eyes, I think. Wow. Certainly one that's still playing and he is, you know, the, the, the highest wicket-taking fast bowler and he's just an amazing bloke. I mean, Brooksy, for a fast bowler yourself, you must love this guy, Jimmy Anderson. Oh, correct. Yeah, he's a, like he's a, he's a, he's an icon, isn't he? English cricket icon. Um, he's someone that I look up to. He's still someone that, um, you know, whenever I speak to him, I'm a little bit in awe of the bloke. Still, even though I'm casually, you know, friends with him and you can talk to him, have a laugh with him. But as soon as you start talking about cricket, I'm just like all in. I just want to listen and, and soak it all in. And um, yeah, he's, he's he's someone that he would probably admit he's a little bit standoffish with people, particularly new people. Um, 
but he's just a very dry, sarcastic. He's actually a very funny guy, and I got on really well with him. So I'm. Um, it's brilliant that he's come on, and I'd, l- I'd love to um to hear some stories from him about his England career. Yeah, and Chris, he's just a absolute legend and so many moments that he's provided for the Barmy Army over the years and on tour and all the years that you've been touring as well I mean yeah. you've probably take, seen him take 100 wickets Incredible mate he's, an, he's the absolute ultimate I think for Barmy Army people that have been on tours as a cricketer as a bloke just seeing him out and about and his sense of humour is very dry but it, it's very funny as well and a lot of people appreciate that I think English people especially appreciate that and um, people just love him for what he's done for the game and for the Barmy Army. The one thing that's always pained us is how bad his song is. For some reason, he's got two of them that are that are very good because they're very catchy and they go really big. But um, he, he should have a, a handful of songs that are a little bit uh, more complex or a bit longer than the one that he's got. So got a little surprise in store. Adam, our, one of our staff members, have been working very hard through isolation on with a song for him, and we're going to see if he can sign it off for us. Love it. Great stuff. Well, I mean, they don't want to hear any more stories from us, um, our listeners. <laughs> uh, but just once again, thank you for downloading, subscribing, sharing, telling your mates, etc. Yeah, we've been really surprised with, you know, the amount of response and stuff that we've, that we've had and downloads and whatever. So it's been great. So thank you. Do continue to do that. Spread the word. And also, whilst you're doing that, listen to Jimmy Anderson here on the Shackles Rock podcast. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Burnley Cricket Club is where it all began. What got you down there? Was it like a family thing or was it something just to sort of go in the summer holidays? What was it? Yeah, it was my dad. Um, my dad and my uncle actually played there for quite a while. Um, my dad was second team captain. Um, my uncle played a bit of first team. And yeah, so I just went down to watch him. And then the usual stuff really, um, playing during a tea break on the field, uh, as I got older, I started scoring for the second team, um, doing the tins as well, <laughs> and um, and yeah, just got into it through that really. Quality. Uh, when did you actually realise that you were pretty good? You know, what kind of age group were you? Were you the best in every age group, like a lot of people, or were you sort of one of those like a late bloomer? How did it work? Yeah, I was a late bloomer. Um, so I. I was pretty average at both batting and bowling. And, you know, when you growing up sort of under 11s, under 13s, playing pairs cricket, um, I wasn't very good. I was sort of, yeah, average at both, really. So um, what I did, what it did do, though, was was make me work on my fielding. So I, I really enjoyed diving around in the field. So I thought this could be my point of difference. I'll try and... Get some good catches and stop the, you know, stop some runs and stuff, um, stuff like that. So my actual the first couple of trophies I won for Burnley were Fielder of the Year. Wasn't until it wasn't until I was like 15 when I actually I was because I was quite short in my year at school. 
And uh, it wasn't until I was sort of 15, I, I grew quite a bit, I, probably like a foot in a year. Um, and then started bowling a bit quicker and, and things went from there. So you still got those trophies in the cabinet, Jimmy? The Fielding Award? Yeah, yeah. I could, <laughs> I, I could, I've got a little trophy cabinet here and I might, I'm tempted to dig them out of it. <laughs> just, just touching on that Burnley thing, did you see last, well, it's probably done the rounds for quite a while, when those West Ham fans were in the crowd at the Burnley game? Yeah. There were a lot of football fans just turn up sometimes on a Saturday at Burnley Cricket Club. Yeah, so um, one of the things that actually, because the, the football club's obviously right next to the cricket club, um, and one of the things that keeps the cricket club going is using the cricket field for a car park during the winter. Uh, and they all are, they've got uh, two bars, one upstairs, one downstairs. Um, and it's sort of a safe place for away fans to drink. So, um, yeah, it, it keeps the club going. And unfortunately, the season does overlap a little bit. So, um, occasionally, you do get you do get the odd uh, unfortunate incident. As, as that you saw with West Ham fans. And my, my best mate, actually, David Brown, who you might have played against. Yeah, I remember that. Um, play for Gloucester and Glamorgan. Uh, he got out once. I think it was Leicester who were, uh, <laughs> Burnley were playing. Uh, and a similar thing happened to him. He had to trudge off, having not scored many, and <laughs> got absolutely abused. <laughs> Love that. That's oh, brilliant. That is awesome. Did you, you weren't on the receiving end of it any of that then when you were a kid? No. No. <laughs> That's a Earlier shame. in the fourth division when I was playing uh, junior cricket, so <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't many away fans to, to worry <laughs> to come about. In. Yeah, fair enough. I was, you I was just give a few send-offs you know, now yourself, don't you? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, you, look, you know, you, you were sort of this kid who sort of bloomed late, obviously Fielder of the Year Award. Presumably, you weren't on Lanx's radar for your fielding ability. Um, what kind of age did you get into that, into the setup there at, you know, at Lanx and going to Old Trafford and netting and all that kind of stuff? What age was that? Uh, it's probably about 15, I think, if, if I remember rightly. I, I remember... Um, I went to Ampleforth College on an under-15s B uh, trip. With my... <laughs> <laughs> I was, that was probably my first experience of that sort of, um, yeah, that county sort of setup. I've been to trials before, but I've never actually played or, or you know, got a shirt to wear or anything like that. Um, so it was probably then. And then... I, 16, I, I remember at 16, I played for the under-17s and under-19s when they were a bit short. Um, and I, I felt like I was making good progress because I was bowling quick um, at that age. So I was, yeah, doing well for Burnley first team. And then um, it was actually my, it was David Brown who I mentioned. His mum actually had a word with uh, the coach, one of the junior coaches at Lanks uh, when I was about 15 and said, you, you should have a look at this lad. Um, I think it was John Stamworth was the coach, and um, so I went, yeah, went along for a trial, and uh, as I say, under 15s B started off slowly, and then went my way up. That's so bizarre. Like you never get in the Bunbury Festival or anything like that. Was it just before your time? That no, it was. No, it's still going on. Um, yeah. I'm not that old, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, never involved in anything like that. Um, I keep forgetting that you're only a little bit older than me, so. Yeah, I was. That's the, probably the one thing I've got in common with Jimmy is that I was never good enough to get in the Bunburys, late bloomer. 
Really? Yeah. A lot of a lot of England players have come out of that now, haven't they? Yeah, what is it now? I mean, you you know you know the guy who runs it, Chris, don't you? Fairly well. He's he he loves he loves it. He loves the amount of number of people that he's. he's yeah, I know, he's legend. Absolute <laughs> legend. Um, loves um, telling us all about the guys that have come through the Brumby Festival. But uh, no, top guy, top festival. There is some serious talent in there. Yeah, um, there was a Lancashire Under Fifteen B Festival then. Yeah, Jimmy was part of that <laughs> fielding competition. <laughs> so, but, but not not long after that, then you, then you're straight in the length side. So that must have been it was quite a quick rise then to say that you were kind of a late bloomer, but straight into the length team. And you were how how old were you then when you sort of made your first class debut, Jimmy? Um, I would have been nineteen, I think. Oh right, so so sixteen, I started properly playing uh, representative cricket, cricket, and then eighteen. Got, got my first contract um, along with Kyle Hogg. He, we um, joined at the same time. And then, yeah, it was a year, about a year later, made my first first class debut. So I, I think I played one game in my first year. played um, Derbyshire in a, in a one-day game at Derby. Uh, and I remember Michael Divanuto smacked me everywhere. Went four overs from a 30-odd. Um, and I thought I'm I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and then uh, the next the next year I played. I think I got a few wickets for the second team. And about so probably about three or four games into the county championship, I started playing and then played the rest of the season. And then pretty much straight into the England team after that, wasn't it? Or so, so, certainly sort of on England's radar because you'd won. You know, was it was it Young Cricketer of the Year and you'd picked up a few awards and that kind of thing. So it's all going on quite nicely. It's happened quite quickly at that point, hasn't it? What what was that like when you when there was kind of a whiff of an England call up? Was that all of you know a bit of a surprise, or was it kind of what you know? Did you feel like you'd earned it? Uh, well, no, I, I didn't feel like I'd earned it. It was it was a real surprise. So I, I, after that um, season with Lancashire, uh, I went on the academy trip to Adelaide. It was back then before Loughborough was built. Um, not looked for the whole place, the, the academy there. Um, <laughs> Not that old, are you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> even existed. Um, yeah, I went, that, that was a, a lucky break for me because that 2002 Three Ashes tour, literally every bowler got injured. Um, I remember being in the, um, yeah, the academy base in Adelaide and, and the players that were sort of leaving would come through uh, they sort of stop off there and fly home from there. Uh, so Simon Jones, when he obviously had that horrific knee injury, um, Freddie got injured. I think it was his ankle potentially. So he came through there and we saw them all fly home. Um, and then a little bit into that, basically, um, I got called up into the one-day squad um, pretty much because there was no one left. Um, <laughs> and then ended up playing. I think Andy Caddick got injured first game of that series. I, mean, I didn't play the first game of the one-day series. I played the second game of the MCG, which is my debut. So literally, yeah. And it, I think the, the fact that it happened so quick was actually a good thing because I didn't have a chance to sit down and actually take stock of what was going on. So it just sort of, it was a whirlwind kind of few months. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm in, I'm in a hotel in my, with my own room, a uh, box of England kit on the floor, um, just like thinking what what the hell's happened in the last six months for it to come to this. And then uh, I do remember thinking, I was just trying to enjoy it as much as I could. Like 
an absolute dream come true to be a part of an England squad. So I, I don't know how long it was going to last at that point. So I just uh, enjoy it. We had Simon Jones, Simon Jones on recently talking about the academy and how much of a legend Rob Marsh was. Did he, yeah. did he, did he make, do a lot for you in your early days? Yeah, I think that whole um, setup was great. The sort of on the beach uh, in Henley in, in Adelaide, um, and we knew we were there for for a good period of time. It was about like three months we were there before we actually played a game of cricket. So we're training hard in the gym. Had a really good set of lads there as well. A uh, good mix of experience and, and youth. Um, so you're learning from some experienced pros as well as the brilliant coaches we had. Um, so yeah, I think that really stood me in good stead for, for what was to come. Did, did you still have um, highlights in your hair when you made it through to the ODI squad? Did they, did they come later on in the England career? No, no. That, I mean, that was nothing to do with... Uh, Playing for England, that was a fashion statement, actually, mate. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had, I had highlights for quite a while, I reckon, just because I thought it looked cool. Yeah, I was a fan of it, to be fair. Flares and colours <laughs> in my head. So. I can't comment on hair, so we'll move on from yeah, that. Neither of you two can comment on hair. <laughs> well, I, I definitely can't. I've not got any. Dear me. Um, I was going to say, so, uh, so Jimmy, you know when you're when you're in that dressing room at, uh, in the England team and you walk in for the first time. I mean, it's this must happen to you now, where these young lads walk in, they're probably looking at you, thinking, "Oh my word, you know that's that's him." Was that you? Did you walk in and think, "Oh my god, I know him and I know him," and I've not even played against these guys yet, and you know, here I am in a dressing room with him. Who were the who were the people who made you think like that? Well, everyone. Everyone like um, NASA for starters. Always love watching NASA play. Um, Alex Stewart, big big fan of Alex Stewart. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could name the t- team. It was just a uh, pretty good one day side actually. Um, Nick Knight at the top. Trez, um, Vaughny was there. So the, like all these lads that I've, I've looked looked up to, um, suddenly you're in the same room. It's, it was quite daunting at first, um, but yeah, I think I think that, like certainly that that period, and then maybe a few years after that. So like speak if you speak to Cookie when he first started, uh, it's quite daunting and and quite tricky to actually um, become a part of the team. So I think that's something that we've kind of tried to develop over the last few years is to try and make people feel really comfortable when they do come into the dressing room even if people are thinking you know god i mean uh this is this is quite a big deal because i mean you go from county cricket where you know you can i think one of the biggest things is like county cricket you can practice you know there's no one there you turn up for england your first practice session there's cameras behind the net got all these coaches watching it's quite like eye-opening just you think oh god I've got to actually bowl decent here I can't just go through the motions um but I think if you make people feel comfortable and and just um at ease that really helps with all the, the extra sort of pressure that comes along with it seems to be a lot of players who at the start of their careers they walk in there's all these intimidating characters wily old foxes who might perhaps give them the cold shoulder until they'd earned that respect so it's quite nice that you've 
kind of learnt from that and you thought, well, I don't really want that. I want people to feel comfortable straight away. And that certainly shows, doesn't it, lads? When we've spoke to people like Don Bess and, and Crawley recently and, and whoever, you know, they all seem really like excited to go in but feel like welcomed as well. Is that So that's a conscious decision that you've kind of made, is it? Yeah, I'd say um, certainly when... Cookie was captain. That was something he really wanted to, to push, is, is trying to make people feel comfortable in the environment. Um, and, I mean, it's not it's not something that comes naturally easy to me. I'm quite a standoffish sort of bloke, I think. <laughs> quite comfy. So, so um, there might be times where I'm actually, I might come across quite intimidating to someone I've never met. But um, it is something that everyone's sort of conscious of, certainly the senior players. Um, and, and also, like, if you, if you want to, we, we know from experience to have a successful team, you need people to feel comfortable. You need to, to get the best out of, of people, especially when they're in the early stages of their, their career. They've got to feel comfortable and um, wanted, I guess. They've got to feel like they, they deserve to be there. So I think that's partly the players uh, have got a role to play in that. It helps you enjoy, doesn't it? And the, the, the easier it is to enjoy it, you're going to improve and do well, aren't you? So. Yeah, exactly. But like you say, if, if, if people are turned, like, excited about joining up with the squad and excited about training, excited about working hard at their game, then that's part of, you know, you've, you've won part of the battle there. Yeah, when I first met you, Matt, I thought you were, I was a bit worried that obviously standoffish and stuff when we had that training camp in, <clears throat> in Potch all those years ago. But then within a couple of minutes, I was realised you were a dry, sarcastic git and it was actually on <laughs> similar wavelength to me. <laughs> Yeah. Brooksy, tell us about your um, incident when you played against each other last season, what you were just telling us about before. Uh, yeah, well, we've only played against each other twice, I think, from memory, in both champ two Champo games, I think. Unless we, I don't yeah. know, I think. Um, unfortunately, Jimmy's managed to get, well, he, got, he pulled up in the first game a couple of years ago. In the second one, I gave him a sore toe, I think, from an accidental Yorker, which I got him out with. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, no, it's good fun. Like, I generally want to, I want to play against him again just to face him. I don't care if he gets me out. <laughs> well, he scored a hundred last time, didn't you? So yeah, but I didn't face him, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I pulled up with a, uh, I think it was my groin, and I, I was icing my groin when I saw that bat drop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly where he wanted to be. <laughs> the thing is, like when the game finished, that game was a draw. Like we did well to <clears throat> burgle a draw out there. Um, Jimmy wasn't there because he was at wherever he was getting treatment or hospital or wherever he was. But it was quite, you know, quite nice. He sent me a text that night to say, well played and, and congrats and stuff. So it's quite, he didn't have to do that, but it's quite a nice touch. But I live off it because I can say, I've got my hundred and they were like, who was playing? I was like, well, <laughs> Anderson, <laughs> for a start. Kerrigan, he's one of Ashes. Parry playing the World Cup. <laughs> uh, dear. By the way, Jimmy, for, con for context, well, even... we, we do bring this 100 up pretty much every podcast as well, don't we? You say we, you mean Brooks does. Well, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And he sledged me in uh, one of the games as well, which I was quite honoured to receive an Anderson sledge as well. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember? Um, yeah. I can't remember. The, I think it was Bailey was bowling. And he just flicked my um, back leg on the way through, like for a caught behind shot. I didn't hit it, hit my back leg. And um, Warfy, the umpire, didn't give it out. Massive appeal. He could have quite easily given it, to be fair. And I just sort of tapped my back leg, so to say, no, it's definitely at my leg, which you shouldn't really do. And um, 
and Jimmy's just come flying down. So let me have it and say, let the umpire make a decision, basically. And I've just stood there and <laughs> just gone, oh. <laughs> <laughs> calm down, mate, calm down. <laughs> there's, a, there's a proper Roses rivalry, Jimmy. Brooksy was saying that you really invest in, in the Roses games. You have a real like fire in your belly when you play against Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get I mean to be honest if the situation allows it I'll, I'll lose my temper uh, in any game but particularly against Yorkshire yeah I think it's just similar to, to um, uh, playing against Australia really like there's that because there's that history there and the, the massive rivalry like I've grown up I grew up watching Australia beat us through the late 80s and 90s so you just sort of grow up hating them you know what I mean and that, that's similar to Yorkshire um, I can't stand them I remember you saying something. <laughs> you didn't like any Yorkshire players you didn't like any Yorkshiremen but I didn't count because I'm not a proper Yorkshireman I was like oh thanks mate no, I, I do that is, there's actually some nice Yorkshiremen out there believe it or not um, I, got, I, I got on really well with uh, Gaz Batty was probably one of my first mates uh, who it's from Yorkshire, but there's not think he's ever played from. Um, yeah. Lucky for him, but um, <laughs> I, I got on, on really well with Rooty. Um, we well, have to. He's your captain, isn't you know? Yeah, I've probably got better with him before he was captain. To be honest, sorry. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't say anything to the guests, but you know where we're both from. So he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I was thinking this could be a bit awkward in a minute. No, that's that's why I was saying it. Only one year. <laughs> <laughs> Made it more special though when people care about the games you're playing in and uh, who you're playing for. Those they were special games playing against Lancashire. Hundred <clears throat> percent. What's it like playing test matches at Headingley then, Jimmy? Do you ever get a bit of sort of stick off the home crowd? It's not not really been something that's on my radar actually. A bit of bit of bants, I suppose. But you um, ever get a bit? I used to, yeah. Really, it's improved. It's improved. Um, in the re- in recent years, but I, 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 yeah, I reckon my first few games there, I got a bit of stick. Wow, uh, that's a bit rogue. Especially, especially uh, Western Terrace. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> even for, even for England, I got stick down there. So that, luckily, like as I've got a little bit older and a bit more of a sort of experienced player, I've just avoided fielding on the boundary down there. <laughs> Just breaking away from the podcast for a minute to tell you about the Barmy Army membership. Our membership is the lifeblood of the Barmy Army and your subscriptions allow us to carry on working hard behind the scenes to maximise the enjoyment for English cricket fans. I know we can't all be there at the minute, but normally we're both home and overseas. That's what we're famed for, our tour experience, as you know, listening to this podcast. But we want to make sure that all of our audience have access to our membership because we think it's really something that is worthwhile doing for any cricket fan whatsoever. Chris, how much money are we talking? And also, what do you get as well? Because there's quite a lot of benefits. Absolutely. For only £30 per year, that's average price of a round of drinks in London. You might get two rounds out of it up here in Sheffield. But <laughs> you get a whole host of benefits. You get priority access to England tickets, both home and overseas. We work really hard to get a ticket option on overseas tours now as well for everyone 
uh, cricket events such as T20 Finals Day that aren't England games, but we do get access to those tickets as well. Discounts on a wide range of brands such as 20% off New Balance, 15% off Loop Rope and Menswear, and 10% off TM Loon. So you've covered everything from exercise to your night out to your office wear there for all you guys out there. And we've also recently launched a great new rewards platform. Now, this offers you 120 discounts at top retailers such as ASOS, Adidas, Tesco, Costa Coffee, Amazon, Marks and Spencers, and many more. Cool. All the big brands there. That sounds pretty cool. And also, as well, having been on tour with the Barmy Army, Chris, I know that it's really good when you go away. That's when it really comes into its own, isn't it, the Barmy Army membership? Yeah, it's a massive part of what we do, um, touring lives. And one of the main things you can do when you're on tour, yeah, you can come to all of our events and get involved. That's what we're all about, being a big community overseas. But you can play cricket for us as well. And first-class members get the opportunity to play cricket at some of the most amazing grounds in the world. I know on the recent tours to Sri Lanka, West Indies, Australia, South Africa, we, we play a game of cricket around every test match. And the last game of cricket that we played was at Newlands in South Africa. So we, we had 30 to 40 first-class Barmy Army members that had the opportunity to play at Newlands, which was absolutely fantastic. So good. And look, in my humble and completely unbiased opinion, by the way, it's worth a 30 quid just to guarantee your tickets, really, for the Army to sit in the Holly stand at Edgebaston because it gets rocking, doesn't it? And then when you add in all the other stuff that you've just been mentioning, it becomes a little bit of a no-brainer. So, Chris, how do we sign up? Yep, so you can sign up at barmyarmy.com forward slash first class and be an official part of the greatest supporters group in any sport in the world. Now, I would say that, but I know a lot of people would agree. For only £30 a year, it's an absolute no-brainer. Old Trafford when you've got an end named after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a bit weird. sheepish about it. Yeah. I remember the first game I played there when it had been just been done, and I, I bowled it purposely bowled at the other end. Just. Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy Anderson. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, we're talking to Trez about that because he's got a stand, a conference room, a car park, a church, all named after him at Somerset, hasn't he, Brooksy? And Pretty much everything. It should just be the Marcus Truscothic ground, really. Like, yeah. Just change, just, just change Somerset to Truscothic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute legend. Could build a place like Loughborough. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Quality. But, uh, you talked about um, we talked you took you touched on it a little bit with the hatred between the Australians and obviously you've played in an awful lot of ashes. Another big one coming up. Um, what what was it like just getting that little niggle in the first test this summer? Just gone. I bet it was pretty excruciating for you. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, because I I sort of I, I did it. Um, I think I'd done it about a month before, maybe six weeks, maybe in a 
county game against Durham. And um, yeah, I thought it was all sorted, all healed and everything. And then for it to go again in that in that test match. So yeah, it didn't actually go when I was bowling. It, it I felt something not right in the car. And then when I batted, uh, I tried to push off for a single, quick single. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, it, and it properly went. So um, yeah, it was hugely frustrating and, and not to take part in the, the whole Ashes, especially yeah, as we touched on the, the how special it is to play in in those series against Australia um, with that rivalry. It's it, hugely frustrating, but saying that, it's, uh, you know, my, I've been really lucky in my career with injuries. I've not, I've not had a huge amount. Um, so to get, the, obviously the timing wasn't great, but um, I can't complain too much about um, getting injured. It's part and parcel of being a fast bowler and um, we just got to crack on. Look to the look to the next game that you can get yourself fit for. We'll be more positive in a moment. I promise. Like, uh, <laughs> like I actually, you know, you know, it seems like you've been a near constant ever since your debut to a lot of people, just because you know sheer volume of tests and wickets and whatever. But at the start, and I, I'd kind of forgotten this, and I'm not sure I actually kind of knew it really at all. But you were kind of in and out of the team, and you missed 05 and and whatever, yeah. and, and that was you know, for reasons which I'm sure you will probably enlighten us, but did that really annoy you? Did it rankle with you to the point that it's probably made you the player that you are today missing 05, seeing how big that was? And obviously you sort of played and been in and around the England setup prior to that. And then after that, you came back in and had some great success. It was just that window you kind of missed, didn't you? And I know, were you kind of involved in the celebrations and that kind of thing as well? Because you, you were called up, weren't you, for the last test, I think, of that series? But... Yeah, no, I wasn't involved. Um, to, to be honest, that I, I look back at that as a, a bit of no. What would I say? I think I, I think I, I feel like I wasn't ready to to be playing for England at that point. I was going through a bad trot. Um, you know, I've, I've done some work on my action. So I actually saw some footage of me from two thousand and three when I made my debut. My action is completely different to what it is now, uh, and what it what I started with as a, as a, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old. Um, and through that period, 2003 and four, they were, they were sort of obsessed with trying to get some extra pace out of me. So rather than concentrating on my skills and my swing, I was concentrating on trying to bowl 90 mile an hour plus all the time. Um, so that actually had a detrimental effect on me and I, I sort of lost control a bit. Uh, I remember playing a game in South Africa, 2004, um, so, uh, if I remember rightly, I missed the first few games and then Johannesburg was the fourth test match, which we actually won. Um, but I got two for hundred and odd, uh, in the first innings and the two wickets I got were a long up, wide long up court point and a wide long up court third man. Um, and I literally didn't know where it was going. I was, I was almost afraid to have the ball in my hand, um, cause I didn't know where the ball was going. So it was during that period, I, I felt like, and even, and even when I got called up into that fifth uh, test at the Oval in the Ashes, 2005 Ashes, I was, so, I was almost hoping I didn't get picked because I, don't, I didn't think I was ready. Um, I didn't think I was, I was in a great place. I didn't know my game very well. I didn't know what my action was doing. Um, and I, th I think I, I did get, I think I got 60 wickets that summer for lengths, but I Average like thirty one, so I was I wasn't bowling well, um, so yeah, quite happy that they went with Collie in that last last game. To be honest, 
but then, but then again, another another thing that you that I look back on, you know, at the time it was really uh, a really depressing part of of my career, um, getting a stress fracture in, in early two thousand and six, which meant I missed the whole two thousand and six summer. Um, but actually, what that did was it allowed me to go back to my old action. Um, so when I came, I had yeah probably. I don't know, three or four months uh, completely out of, you know, not bowling. I'd have corset on thing, trying to keep my back in, in place. Uh, and, um, yeah, just so when I came back, it was Kevin Shine, who was the, um, you know, bowling coach with the ECB, and Mike Watkinson, who was my coach at Blanks, um, who said, let's, let's go back to your old action. And I was delighted with that. And then from then on, I felt like I could just concentrate on my skills. My action sort of, when you, rather than running in thinking, right, what's my front arm doing and what's this doing, um, which I was doing through that period and not focusing on where the ball was going, which is kind of a key point to bowling. <laughs> um, you know, once I wasn't thinking about my action, I could almost you know, concentrate on my skills, concentrate on the ball was going. And then I felt like, felt so much freer and my head was so much clearer uh, and I think that's helped me be successful in the last few years. Well, you're, so, you're so particular with your skills and everything now aren't you? <clears throat> in particular in what way? Well from when I, I remember when uh, like I first trained with you and I, I watched you like I couldn't like from watching you on TV trying to learn the skill like talking to you about bowling sort of blew my mind a little bit. You kept it very simple, but you're also such a perfectionist, aren't you? I remember Shani saying something like you you worked on an in-swinger for, I can't remember how long he said, it was a, a really lengthy time before you had like, the confidence or wanting yeah. to use it in international cricket. I don't know if, if it was like a year or maybe more. Well, um, I, I, so I started working on the in-swinger in like 2003-ish. And I reckon before I had it nailed down, it was 2007 or 8, before wow. I was 100% knew where it was going. You know, I can, I can, I've got images in my head still of me sending Matt Pryor down the leg side, trying to get this in-swinger that's gone wrong, going for four buys and him cursing it behind the stumps. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, like a lot of people ask me about how, like, how do you swing the ball, or what you know, is it wrist or whatever else? You know, there's so many things that um, it could be, but for me, it's the feel of the ball coming out of the hand, um, and that that's where I get quite detailed in my head about how it feels, uh, trying to analyse the the thing rather than too much like videoing it and looking at my action and everything else, it's more of a feel in my in my head, I guess. We'll yeah. talk positive stuff now as well, by the way, because we just like chucked really two really negative things in there, didn't we? Apologies, mate. There was a moment where you got Dravid, Tendulkar, Ganguly out all in the same innings, I think after that sort of layoff that you just mentioned, wasn't it? Back end of 06, was that, in India? And, uh, Back end of 06, sorry. Yeah, so what was, was that like your kind of right, I'm back and this is me and here we go. And, you know, you kind of never looked back since. Was that was that, that kind of moment? I mean, three massive scalps, by the way. Well, yeah, it helps getting good players out. Um, 
But I guess I, I always, from when I first started, I always knew I, I had the ability to play international cricket, but it was just finding the confidence to do it consistently um, or, or working hard enough to, to be able to do it consistently. And that, took, that takes time. Like I don't think any player ever has just come into a side and that's it, done. They go straight through to, to the end of their career. Uh, playing sailing it, it's you know there's there's hard work involved and I think that's where that's what happened to me so I, I just I, I said it was probably 2008 where I felt right this is I, I feel like I'm, I really know what I'm doing I feel like I know where the ball's going I can hit the top of off stump when I want to uh, you know got the skills to be able to challenge batsmen as well in, in different conditions because I still I, you know back then I, I was quite confident with the Duke but a kookaburra away from home I was um, not confident with so it took me a while to get around that uh, and 2008 we were uh, I think we we're in New Zealand and um, missed the first test and for the second test they dropped Harmy and Hoggy and me and Brody came in and that felt like a really big call uh, from by Peter Moore as the coach and it, it gave me and Brody so much confidence that these two stalwarts of English cricket who've done so much for the, for the game, so much good, um, you know, it sort of felt like a, uh, sound, sounds a bit naff at changing their guard, but like, it was almost like, right, it, he's, he's putting our faith and, and trust in us. So we've got to sort of repay that. And it gave us, it, it did give us confidence to, to believe that we could play at that level. Quality. I mean, obviously, this is the Barmy Army podcast, Chris. After this, one of your most satisfying moments in an England shirt has to be ten eleven. Obviously, I can see that. Is that the edge poster behind you, by the way, on your wall? Yeah. Excellent. Love that. Yeah. Look at that. It's lovely, isn't it? Very nice. It's like it's been signed up by. Got Glenn Chappell over here as well. Let's see. Let's have a look. There's Glenn. wonderful i love this an insight some prized possessions there jim Um, i still can't believe he retired before he took a thousand wickets no so he's been looking after me uh well i've done one session he was there and actually talked about that like i think he's 14 wickets or something yeah come on you can you can do two games (laughs) he's 46 now yeah, I know. Come back. You should do. <laughs> Love it. 10 11, we want to talk yeah. about. What a tour that was, obviously, to the Barmy Army. I wasn't there, but I've loads of stories after that. But what was that like to be a part of that series? Um, brilliant. It was, it was amazing. Um, I think just. Everything went right, and we, you know, everything clicked into place at the right time. Um, the players we had, you know, we'd all, I think everyone had um, some decent experience, quite a few tests under the belt, wasn't too many new, you know, uh, newcomers. So we felt settled as a team, um, and just from, right from the word go, from the, uh, the moment we got to Australia, we just felt right, Every, you know. We absolutely nailed the warm games, treat them like I think they were first class matches, but we just um performed brilliantly in those. Um and then yeah, it was just amazing. 
I mean, that journey as well, wasn't it? It was like, you know, the whole, and I hate that journey. That sounds naff as well. You've said changing the guard. I've said journey. What are we doing? It's like a book of cliches. But that, 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 that whole thing, you know, the build up with Andy Flower and all that kind of stuff prior to that, was that, yeah. that was like nothing that you'd experienced before. Not that anybody had experienced it, that kind of steely, different approach. But yet, when I watched The Edge, in the build, you're all absolutely loving it, aren't you? I know you're not when you're in Germany and you're all doing the press-ups and it's like, you know, you're all swearing at each other. That looks obviously relatively unhappy. But after that, you're all really cheery and you're just loving cricket for, I don't know, you yeah. tell me, six months? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people say they didn't enjoy Germany, but I think they did because I, I forgot how brutal it was until I watched the, the film and saw like what we actually did. Um, and it was pretty tough, but I just remember the, the moments that stick out for me was sitting around the campfire in the evening, actually just chatting over a beer with, with the lads about um, life really, just getting to know everyone a little bit better. Uh, and I think those moments kind of, they really help and we all connected quite well uh, in that. Um, I actually, I actually broke my rib on that on that trip. So we, uh, we one of the um, sort of activities, if you want to call it that, that we did was uh, a boxing thing. So everyone stood around in a circle, created a ring, um, and then two by two they'd pick us out, and we'd have to spar for thirty seconds in the middle of this ring, and it'd just be like, sort of, they'd say, right, nothing above. Uh, the shoulder, nothing in the head, in the face. We're wearing head head guards as well, uh, and nothing below the belt. Um, so everyone's getting picked out with someone similar size. So I think Cookie against Swanee, Brez uh, was with Straussy. So similar sort of physiques. Then it got to me, and I got picked out with Chris Tremlett. <laughs> <laughs> no one's similar to him though, are they? Literally <laughs> built like Arnie, and I was like. <laughs> So I thought, anyway, I'll go for it. So anyway, as, as uh, we just went for it for thirty seconds, and then we've come back out of the uh, into the into the outer ring, and I, I just felt like I was struggling to breathe a little bit. And uh, I spoke to the doctor that evening. He said, "Yeah, I think you broke a rib." So I came back, had an X-ray, broken rib. Luckily, it was there was enough time between that and going to Australia that it could heal and. Uh, be all right but yeah it was a bit of a scary moment thinking i wasn't gonna make it that, that <laughs> was that the last time you had a boxing match with chris tremler <laughs> i've not had the gloves on since to be honest i don't think <laughs> boxing's for me <laughs> uh, so, ten, seven, jimmy um do you have any recollection of pulling the pints to the barmy army um after we won in melbourne yeah good night yeah i mean yeah it was it, Incredible. Um, if I remember rightly, it was uh, a sort of ex-AFL player. Corey McKernan, yeah. Corey McKernan from yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. He, he allowed us in and uh, he allowed us behind the bar, yeah, pulling some pints, which was, which was a good laugh. I mean, Melbourne's one of the greatest test matches I've ever played in, I think. That first day, um, bowling him out for, for 90-odd. It was, it was an interesting morning, actually. So, uh, Straussy came up to a couple of the bowlers before the toss, uh, and he's like, I'm, I'm not sure what to do here. What do you reckon? Uh, and we we said, it's bowl, we'll bowl. Like, we just, 
not no, it didn't, didn't necessarily look like green or anything. But we said, look, if we're bowling well at the minute, if we bowl well and, and they bat well, then we will still have them two seventy for six at the end of the day. So let's just have a bowl. So he went with it, and then yeah, bowled him out for ninety odd, ninety eight. I think 160 for none at the end of the day. Those pack, I remember it being absolutely rammed that first mm. morning, Boxing Day morning, and then um, 20,000 Barmy Army left at the end of the day watching us smash them all around the park. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like playing in front of the Barmy Army then? Because, you know, we talk about this with every single guest, and it's funny for some of the younger lads like Zach Crawley and Dom who have played you know at canterbury in front of you know a thousand people maybe and then t20 nights it might get a you know a few more and it's all rather mm. exciting and then for example newlands earlier this year you know chris and i were both there you know in cape town for that and that was a ridiculous atmosphere and you've got all these young lads there think looking around thinking well this isn't anything like i've ever experienced i suppose now you you know you've played you know ridiculous amount of test matches so you have experienced that more than probably anybody else but it still I, I bet it doesn't wear off that does it excuse me um no it doesn't i think um yeah it's 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 uh hard to explain it's like for me because i i mean i'm not I, i'll be brutally honest i don't really interact with the crowd that much um but every now and then you just end up like losing, like I remember at Cape Town, I think I got a wicket um, the, the night before the last day uh, and that atmosphere was incredible. And that was when, that's when you start feeling a little bit tired uh, and then that noise, the, the, it just sort of carries you through and gives you that extra sort of five or 10% to try and get that wicket. Um, and I remember turning to the Barmy Army then and sort of pointing and just yeah, losing it a little bit. And I don't normally do, normally do that. Um, but that's what it is. It's just like, I, I don't know. I love, I love the, um, like a normal day's play away from home is sort of first two hours, nice serene. Obviously you've got Jerusalem at the start, but then nice sort of test match cricket. People having the, the old champagne cork and a little bit of, you know, and then four o'clock, it is just absolutely bouncing. And that's like incredible how it sort of builds to that sort of crescendo at, at four o'clock, just when the lads need it as well. Perfect. It's a match when made in heaven. Is, um, when the bars is, is busy, busiest, just after lunch is where you normally start hearing a few songs. <laughs> there, doesn't it? Yeah. On, on the songs, though, Chris wants to ask you, um, well, a couple of yeah. questions, really. <laughs> well, obviously, your song is uh, not the best we've ever done, to be brutally honest, and we, we, we all know that, but it's quite famous, and you hear it everywhere you go, I guess, everywhere you bowl, you hear that song. What What is your honest opinion on it? You, by the way, you can be as honest as you want. The podcast is Absolutely called Shackles right, Are Off. The shackles, Jimmy, are fully off, pal, so crack on. <laughs> well... I mean, I'm I'm just happy to have a song, to be honest. I I think I, I like it. I, I love hearing it. It's it's amazing. It you know to to it's kind of like you know you, you've got again. I'm gonna say it's gonna sound naff, but you, you get your England cap, your shirt, and everything. You put that, and having a Barmy Army song is kind of just the final feather in the cap, I guess. 
you know, it, it, it means a lot to the lads to have a, to have a song. Um, so I don't really care what it is. Uh, it's catchy and people sing it, so it's great. Yeah, it must be, must be class to hear when you're running in in that four o'clock to six o'clock in the afternoon window. Yeah. And you're on top or you're looking for that little extra lift. Like even for someone like you, it must be, um, must be pretty cool. Is it? We've got a new one for you. And we're going to, I'm going to read it out. If you sign it off now, this is going to be a song for the rest of our career. So this is a minute. Anderson, son, son, he's a bowling magician. Anderson, son, son, more wickets than anyone. He can see, he can swing, he can make the army see. He's the greatest opening bowler that the world has ever seen. Oh. Nice, that. I can Hopefully see more G than one person's going to sing it, though. <laughs> Jimmy's really yeah, embarrassed, isn't he? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, signed off. There we go. That's it. That's good enough. <laughs> That's good enough, Chris, isn't it? You'll take that. We're happy. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, another sort of amazing atmosphere. I've just thought of this now that, that I actually wasn't there for. I think you were there, though, Chris. It was Alistair Cook's final test match. And mm. obviously, you had that amazing moment taking that wicket at the end and it was just you know wonderful and it was a significant wicket of course as well and it was um you were quite emotional really weren't you you played a lot of cricket with cookie and he's you know an amazing yeah. guy as well as a you know fantastic player that was perfect wasn't it I, I suppose as an isolated test match on its own away from kind of ashes and stuff that was i'm guessing it's probably right up there with the best one of the best days of your life almost that final day yeah, yeah, it was um, it was nice to sh to share that moment with Cookie. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I, I'm not, I wasn't overly fussed about the record to be honest. It, I just, I, I love the fact that we won and Cookie got 100 uh, in his last game, and we we got to share that sort of those moments together because we've shared some incredible moments uh, over the years, come incredibly close as friends as well. And um, yeah, it was nice to. To sort of, I don't think it, like the, the sort of. I remember walking off the field almost with him, and um, it was kind of just like more reminiscing about how amazing the last few years have been, rather than about that particular moment, really. Um, so yeah, it was it was really special. And, and looking back, I think I was going to say about the you know the, the Barmy army and stuff and sometimes when you're in the heat of the battle you don't really notice the noise the crowd noise around you um so looking back if, if you watch stuff back on tv you, you realize you get you almost get goosebumps by watching it back because you hear the actual um you know the, the the reaction to stuff and that was one of those moments so hearing the the crowd at the end when that wicket went um the crowd the, the incredible applause cookie got when he got his hundred um, went on, felt, felt like it went on for like five minutes. It was just amazing. Um, so yeah, and I, also I remember actually the night before he got hundred, uh, he had about thirty mates, farmers that had come down to watch, uh, and they all came for a beer. And as they like when they left, uh, and we were off to bed, uh, Cookie was like, "Well, I bet I've got to get hundred tomorrow, now." No, I can't let all these down now they've come down to see me. And he did it. And he just, you know, that's just speaks volumes about his uh, determination and will to, to succeed. So good, isn't he? Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you must have... Uh, go on, Brooksy. No, I was just going to say, like, we had um, Belly on a couple of weeks ago. 
we asked him if he could sort of relive one game and one celebration at the end of a, a game or a series. He would have picked, I think it was Sydney, wasn't it, at the end of that 10 yeah. 11 series? He said yeah. it was just so special, like the classic end of a journey, but like the peak of their career, kind of. Well, if you could sort of relive a victory or a match, would you go for a similar a similar series or would you, because you played probably a bit more than him now, but. Yeah, I don't think it gets any any more special than that though sitting on on the outfield at the SCG and sort of you know I touched on when we were in Germany before the start of that trip we sat around the campfire having a beer and, and sort of chatting and that sort of brought, brought that moment to a close beautifully when we we sat on the outfield at Sydney having won 3-1 in Australia first time an England side have won there in 24 years I think um was just an incredibly special moment and it felt at that time that we'd done something special um, and to, to just sort of, yeah, close it out with a beer on the outfield and, and just chew the fat was uh, was pretty special. So I, th- I don't think it gets any any better than that, really. Um, India, in, in India, the year after, actually, 2012 was close. Um, again, because an England side hadn't won there for ages, so... Again, sitting down at the end of that series, and I mean, the thing about it is, when you sit down, I remember after this, after Sydney, I fell asleep for about an hour in the dressing room. I was just absolutely knackered from the whole series. It just drains you, like mentally and physically, the fact that you've, you've put so much hard work into something. Um, and India was the same. Like for Seema, it's so difficult to. You've got to really put in every spell to get something out of it. Yeah. Uh, so you're absolutely knackered at the end, but to then when you win, that that sense of satisfaction is just unbeatable. You're in the T20 winning squad as well, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember much of that to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was in the Caribbean, so fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll be brutally honest. It wasn't a um, one of my best trips from a cricketing point of view. Uh, from the moment Collie told me I wasn't playing in that first game, it sort of went downhill. Um, and I, I remember, I remember a lot of Harbour Lights, but not a lot about the uh, <laughs> the rest of it. But uh, incredible to be there, though. To again, a, an incredible side we had, um, and just clicking at the right moment. You know, guys at the top of their game, um, and and that almost had that. Um, aura of just being like no one's going to beat us here we, we know that we can beat any anyone on our day and that that was special to watch yeah from a distance <laughs> was it was it weird like for, strange for you in, the, in recent years particularly last year when england won the world cup at lords was it pretty cool for you to watch as like a genuine england fan or did you still have a little bit of gee like i really wish this had been the final thing in my career that would have been cool to have been a part of um, no, I, I, I mean, probably helped that my, my last one day game was four years before. I think if they won the World Cup six months after my last game, then I might have been a bit, uh, felt a bit like I was missing out. But yeah, I, I was, I was a, similar to the 2005 Ashes, actually, just a massive fan and like to, to watch us do well was amazing. And, um, I commentated on a few of the games in the World Cup, actually, and to see it up close like that was, I, I felt very lucky. Uh, and I was there on the, yeah, in the uh, press box for the final. Again, 
unbelievable place to watch it from and um, just felt, I've, I've enjoyed actually watching the, the one day side um, over the last four years just because I've always felt like we've been playing catch up in, in one day cricket. So yeah. to, to watch us actually lead from the front for four years and, and show people um, what can be achieved in, in uh, 50 over cricket. I mean, going in, to, to be able to go into a World Cup and people thinking England could, could get 500 here. That's like, you know, from where we were thinking, you know, if we get if we get 280, we've done brilliantly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we could get, this team could get 500. There's that many good players in, well, amazing players in that team. We could get 500. So I think we're, we're in a special place in white ball cricket and it's a, you know, been a pleasure to watch. Hopefully, I mean, look, you know, look, you've got plenty of cricket left in you at the moment. Obviously, we're in a strange kind of situation, aren't we? And it's it's probably actually nice for you to have a rest and a bit of time at home and all that kind of thing. But also, as well, and I must mention this um, because it is now a very big part of your life, tail enders, and you know, we are going to give it another, you know, bit of a plug. A fellow cricket podcast, of course, a much bigger one than ours, it must be said. Um, but it's you know. It's a kind. It's it, look. It's it's very different to to anything, really, isn't it? You've made you know really good friends with Felix and Greg, obviously. Stage shows as well. Don't plug too much, Greg. In. A little bit. Well, all right. I mean, it's not that. It's not that good. It's all right. And and Greg's just a poor man's <laughs> version of me, obviously. But it's um, <laughs> what about the stage show and stuff? Because you did that. You beat. You've done. Uh, where was it? The Hammersmith Apollo was it? And then you've done another one up north and packs it out and live music and it I mean it just looks bonkers the whole thing to be honest <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is bonkers it's just um, I can't I still can't believe that they've, they've just let us three idiots loose on something like this but it's uh, to be honest I'm, I, I do I do enjoy doing it I think speaking for the two as well you know it's a, a nice release from our day jobs to be able to just be um, stupid and chat absolute rubbish for for an hour a week. Um, and the, yeah, the live shows have been again bonkers. Just us being stupid on stage for a bit. Um, you know, I've, I, I was on stage last. The last one I, was, I had a, an industrial shredder um, shredding some fruit, uh, which is in full safety gear. Which is just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, but um, we we love it, and it, we've the, the nice thing about it is we've built a really really good community, and the people that uh, listen are um, re- some really good, uh, really um, what's the word, really into cricket, yeah. some not so much. So it's it's nice that there's people actually sort of listening, probably through Greg and Felix as well sort of getting into the podcast and then slowly but surely getting into cricket as well. So it's nice to be able to try and broaden the fan base of cricket and spread the word it's not... Sorry? ECB didn't need to bring out a new initiative, just pump money into tailenders. They'll get new cricket fans all over the place. (laughs) Exactly. It's great. (laughs) You've raised some good money for charity now as well, haven't you, lately? Yeah, we set up a, a, a little crowdfunder page that, that again um, we can't believe how well it's done it's raised 55 grand in about um, five or six weeks so it's just incredible and we're, we're going to distribute that money quite soon but we're going to keep on with the fundraising um, 
And considering like you can't do any events at the minute, we're really pleased with how it's gone. I did a silly quiz on uh, on YouTube, um, which went well. And yeah, just uh, you know, going forward, I think we're going to try and do a bit more, a bit more fundraising because we enjoy it. Is that the Go Well Fund, Jimmy? If you know if people want to check it out, it'll give you a little bit yeah. of a chance to plug it. Thank you, uh, Go Well Fund. Uh, dot com. Yeah, you can check it out if you want to donate. The quiz that we did is still up there if you want to have a go at that. It's just a bit of fun uh, for 40 minutes. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you. Perfect. No worries at all. Jimmy, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for taking me. It's been we've nearly it's had an hour with you. Oh yeah, quick, quick. Yeah, of course. Not we've got a quick, we've got a quiz of our own. Yeah, Jimmy, if you've got if you've got two more minutes or so, if that's all right. Um, yeah, we do a quiz with with every guest. Yeah, very simple. And Chris, uh, take it away, mate. First question is for the lads. It's about you, Jimmy. So all you need to do is answer it once I've asked the question. So for the lads, first one. Who did Jimmy make his test debut with in 03? Quite a while ago, that, 03. Loughborough wasn't around, but... This was on Twitter last week. I can't remember it. Is it? Is it? Oh, go on. Is it, is it like, not side bottom? I can't remember who it is. Not side bottom. Brooksy, any good? I can't remember who it is. It was on Twitter last week and it's just slipped my mind. I can't remember who it is. Jimmy, I know. Anthony McGrath. Yeah. Wow. Yorkshire, Yorkshire legend, of course, you know, all round great man. He is one of the first Yorkshiremen I liked, actually. <laughs> very, very <laughs> Very good. Question number two. Do either of you, Brooksy or Greggy, know Jimmy's highest test match score and when it was? Oh, you were batting with Rooty, yeah. weren't you? But I don't know. Oh, 81. 81 at um, Trent Bridge against India, I think. Jimmy? Yeah, he's right. Bang on. Look at that. Proper badgering from you, you Brooksy. Can you touch yeah, that briefly? Do you ever think that you'd get 81 in a test match? God, no. <laughs> It's actually my. It's not just my highest test score. It's my highest score as a batsman in any form of cricket ever. <laughs> my highest score for Burnley was fifty-seven for the third team. Highest score for Langs is forty odd not out. So it's my highest score in any cricket. Yeah. That's brilliant. What was it like? Back, was did Rooty kind of shepherd you through it, or, or was it you know all down to the Burnley Lara? No, it was. It was Rooty was amazing. He he really helped me through that. Um, taught me through pretty much every ball and it was for the first bit of it it was a lot of uh, like he takes the first four or five balls and gives me one or two at the end so it was quite comfortable for the first you know until I got my eye in <laughs> start playing <laughs> <laughs> uh, right question three and the final question which TV personality has got Jimmy out before ah uh. James Corden. I remember you looking incredibly despondent at that, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I, I've, I've not, I'm not good against um, non-hitting celebrities. Um, Greg James has actually got me out twice. <laughs> he knocked me off stump out first ball um, at... Is it Lady Bay across from Trent Bridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
got a net there and he knocked me off stump out of the ground. Um, and he also got me out in a net we had at the Oval recently indoors, nicked me off there. Um, but yeah, the James Corden one was for League of Their Own Christmas special. And I just bowled for about an hour and a half straight at all these celebrities. Um, and then I had to let Fred get some runs, so be the, be the hero. And I was just bowling him half follies and, and long ops. He was smacking me everywhere. <laughs> it came to bat, and um, first couple of balls, he, he, he didn't hit the cut strip. Um, and then I got the producer came up and said, Can you try and I want you to smash this ball out of the ground for six? And I thought, Yeah, I, absolutely, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. I do it all the time. So he's bowled this sort of 40 mile an hour donkey drop. I've been, I was waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And I've swung off my feet and somehow edged it. <laughs> Straight to Fred at second slip. Um, it was just, I mean, it was written in the stars because if you look, like I watched the footage back, you've got Rob, Rob Beckett keeping wicket, Romish Ranganathan at first slip, who are both like this, like covering their faces as I've edged it, and Fred's there just pouching an easy easy catch so incredible it was so funny that i've got to say it was Makes one of the good tv doesn't it yeah it was yeah. very very That's amusing funny. dear me um jimmy mate i've got to say we've had you know an hour with you now it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for giving us your time and, and talking us through everything and um i hope the podcast um continues to rumble on but obviously you know you've got a you've got a very strong competitor here with this one so um yeah, i would still part of it. i would say I, w- <laughs> I would say go well but i don't mean it <laughs> cheers cheers, <for> <laughs> cheers mate it's been re- really good to talk so um yeah top cheers, man guys. cheers jim thanks mate appreciate it no worries Network.